This episode may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Let's Read Stories, a podcast of short stories written by aspiring authors read by someone who loves telling stories. Do you have a story that you would like to have read on the podcast? Email me at letsreadstoriespodcast at gmail.com and your story may be featured in an upcoming episode. This week I'm going to be reading Unfit, a story that was submitted by my sister Piper Rowe. You can find Piper on Twitter at andwe underscore crash underscore and on Instagram at underscore hey underscore we underscore okay underscore. Piper also creates art, which you can check out on Instagram at hey underscore we underscore doodle. I thought this was supposed to be easy. We all did. Emmett sat long ways on the seat, his pamphlet on his lap and the ringing sensation of laughter still fresh in his ears. The school bus was noisy, not just because of the engine that every vehicle seemed to use in the 21st century, although that was a significant factor, but his peers drowned out that hum completely. Alice tests a variety of life skills to ensure your child will contribute to the general public. He stretched his arms above his head as he read the words. When he did, as if on cue, a loud whoop bellowed and filled the space from the back of the bus forward. He turned his head and he saw Ty, who was a few rows behind him to the right and standing with his hands to his face to amplify the noises, which were being repeated back to him from somebody Emmett couldn't see at the front of the bus. Emmett supposed that it was hard to keep a bunch of 14-year-olds entertained when you took away all technology and painted over all the windows, but he still couldn't quite think of a scenario in which Ty's whistling and whooping would be justified in his mind. An automated voice played over the speakers, telling everybody to take their seats, which he guessed meant that they were close. He tucked the pamphlet away under the seat, and sure enough, he felt the bus bounce as the road changed from what was likely asphalt to the metal floors of the World Population Betterment Center. Four hours. That's what the teachers told us. Four hours. We'd all be back outside in just four short hours. The garage was full of empty buses, but Emmett knew that Northville High was the only one sending in students today. He counted the countless number of windowless buses as a guide walked him and about 50 other kids towards the entrance. Two tall fiberglass doors which opened inwards when approached and closed securely behind them. The lobby, like the bus, was instantly booming with the sound of dozens of conversations he couldn't quite make out. He might have joined them on any other day, but today they were in the WPBC and they would all meet Alice for the first and last time. He approached the wall opposite the doors, which had screens on it in which you input your name and assigned ID number. After waiting in line for a long while, he approached it and entered his information. They took a picture of him and printed out a sticker that read, Emmett, 201955. As he walked away, he put it in his pocket, more focused on the cafeteria sign to his left. Alice monitors our reactions, our health, our heart rate. She monitors us. Half an hour passed where Emmett ate and tried to preserve his energy, watching his peers goof off as if the reality hadn't yet set in on them. Now, heading down the narrow corridor, he took a mental note of the frayed posters on the walls. The corridor, which was almost 30 feet long and 7 feet tall, was covered from corner to corner in them. The WPBP saves lives. Less is more, Alice gifts us progress. He tried not to focus on the words for too long, the uneasiness in his stomach 
growing stronger with every step he took towards a single passenger elevator at the end. On approach, the door slid hastily open and he slipped inside. There were no buttons, and the door shut fast behind him. Suddenly, there was a buzzing sound and a voice started from the ceiling. Hello, I am the Artificial Linguistics and Intelligence Computer and Engineer, better known as ALICE through the World Population Betterment Program. Please verify your name, age, and pod number. Emmett 14, pod 201955. About 30 seconds passed before the elevator whirred and started to descend. Emmett started counting the levels as she started to speak again. Welcome, Emmett, to the World Population Betterment Center. We hope you enjoy your stay and that your time here be as short and simple as possible. In case you've forgotten, the WPBP was founded in 2065 by a group of the most favored politicians of the time under much public demand. Overpopulation had truly begun to starve us of our resources, and our arable land had decreased to the point of no return. Our brilliant leaders came up with one final solution. Me. My purpose is to assess your life readiness skills, competencies, and talents. These include creative competency, social understanding, scientific knowledge, problem solving, handiness skills, motive function, reflexes, and hundreds more. Don't worry, though. You need only succeed in a few in order to be released. I have prepared a room for you based on the assessments I have made of you since your arrival here today. Relax and take your time. Good luck, Emmett. Her assessments are not as objective as people say. The elevator steadily slid to a stop 15 levels below the lobby. Emmett wasn't sure how high above the ground the lobby was, though, so his exact location was still a mystery to him. I'm not sure if the WPPP knows or if they ever did. There was a clinking and grinding, like the sound of hydraulics, and what Emmett had thought was a wall a few beyond this elevator lifted into the ceiling. How much longer are we really going to have to stay before someone figures it out? He walked onwards into a pitch-black room. He strained his eyes and reached his arms forward to feel for any obstacles, only met by empty space. Suddenly, he came across what felt like a wooden desk, and a single light turned on from the ceiling far above him. It flashed sporadically, being bright for seconds, and then there would be a disorienting flash of darkness. In front of him, he saw a piece of paper, a black pen, and a screwdriver. The table itself was nothing special, just an old, slightly wobbly, waist-high surface without a chair or any drawers. Emmett pondered the items for a moment, picking up the screwdriver and noticing that it seemed well used, with WPBC engraved on the side. As he rotated it, he wondered if maybe it was meant to be used on the table to take it apart and find something within, but that idea was immediately scrapped because the limbs of the table were too thin to hide an object inside. Suddenly, something tapped the back of his neck. He turned, but saw nothing. He rubbed the spot with his free hand and realized that it was wet. Looking up, he was met by another drop hitting him on the side of the nose. Four feet from him on every side, glass walls began to raise themselves. Before he knew it, the drops of water were hitting him more frequently. A drop fell into his mouth, which he now realized was hanging slack while he was thinking, and he choked. He realized then that this was not water. Whatever it was, it stung his throat and he began to cough unbearably. There was a high-pitched squeal, which is when he noticed that on the other side of the glass, the liquid, which was a cloudy gray, was rising higher and his heart jerked to a stop. Panicked, he began to think. He looked up at the light. Maybe there was something there? No, even if there was, there was no way he could reach it. The light was on the ceiling, which must have been upwards of 20 feet above him. The light flickered again. Emmett gasped and quickly grabbed the pen. His initial idea was Morse, but the flashes didn't vary in length or speed, and they didn't seem to correlate to any letters he could figure out. The fluid had reached the top of the glass. He looked up only for a brief second and watched as it bubbled and flowed steadily down the inside. He counted the seconds between flashes. It started with one second between each. Three, one, two, two, 
five. Binary. Emmett began to write frantically the conglomeration of ones and zeros. The fluid had reached his feet, but hadn't yet started to rise. He looked at the sequence of numbers, trying to recall whatever memory he had of the letters. P. T. R. A. P. T. R. A. P. T. Trap. His legs began to burn. The fluid had risen to his knees. Trap. He stared at the word. Obviously this was a trap, he thought. What is she saying? Emmett crouched. It was hard to see in the shadow, but the table wouldn't move. With a sharp inhale, he stuck his hands into the fluid. Sure enough, a trap door. He scratched frantically at the edges as the liquid inched towards his shoulders. His fingertips brushed the screws, and his hand flew to the tabletop, grabbing frantically for the screwdriver. Once he had a firm grip of it in his left hand, he plunged his hand back into the water and began to twist. His muscles started to cave under his weight. He couldn't help but let out a scream. His arms bubbled and swelled beneath him. Finally, the door came up. The substance began to swirl around him and drain down, but the glass walls didn't move. Emmett climbed down the hatch and began to crawl on his forearms, which had become numb and would slip from beneath him every couple feet. The acid rushed by him, and the levels of it slowly dropped. He felt nearly every inch of his body writhe in pain as he slithered blindly through the space, but he couldn't stop moving. Next thing he knew, he felt his body slip down and crash into a hard surface below him. He blacked out, but not before he heard the startled scream that accompanied the sound of his body hitting the ground. For hours? For days? For years? Yes, Ty, the resell works. Didn't you pay any attention when we... The voices faded in and out, and the shadow of two figures stood over his body. His skin ached, but the feeling in his forearms had returned. No, I can't explain how it works to you right now. I'm trying. He made an attempt to prop himself up on his right arm, but his weight was too much for him and he started to collapse. Whoa, hold on there, Emmett. Your skin is still healing. Delicate hands gently laid him back down on what he was guessing was a metal table of some sort. Finally gathering the strength to open his eyes, he looked at who he hoped was a real person. Her head was wrapped in what he was guessing was a hijab, and she had a kind smile on her face. Her name tag read, Huda, 201954. Behind her stood a familiar face. Ty, 201951, this tag said. Dude, what the hell happened to you? Ty said, in a tone that almost made it feel like a joke. I told you, Ty, he got a chemical burn, Huda said sweetly, almost like a mother explaining things to a child. That's why we're using resell to help his skin regenerate. I know that, Ty snapped back. I was asking him what happened. How did you get the burn? Alice, Emmett struggled to let out before Huda got the chance to tell Ty to stop bothering him. Alice was drowning me in it. Ah, Huda sighed. I understand. I managed to avoid any serious wounds, but I had to put blast powder into 12-gauge rounds in my last room. It doesn't sound scary until you know that the slightest amount of static electricity, she gestured to her scarf, could set it all off. Doesn't it seem strange that these were our first rooms to you? How are we supposed to complete the rest of this test if we die at the first one? Emmett said, looking at her. Huda was giving him a forlorn look, but before she could say anything, flash! Emmett was sent flying off the table, his chest slamming into the tiled floor. After a moment, he forced himself up onto his elbows to see the room now completely in shambles. Ty was bleeding, although Emmett couldn't quite tell from where, and crouching by Huda. Huda was face down in a crimson puddle, with shards of glass protruding from her side. Emmett crawled, ignoring the stabbing pain. Shit, 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 Ty exclaimed. What do we do? Huda? Huda? The resell, get the resell, Emmett shouted. Ty ran to the table as Emmett leaned over her body and rolled her over. 
Her face was twisted with pain, even while unconscious. Ty came back with the spray. Emmett, resting her head on his lap, reached to her abdomen and tried as best he could to pull up her shirt enough to show her wounds. Ty, I need you to get me a knife. Ty whipped around. His face was muddy with blood and tears. What? We can't. I can't, Ty yelled. We need to get a graft of her skin to reattach to the wound. If you don't get me a knife, she could die. I don't understand. How on earth would a knife be useful here? You need to get the glass out of her. Ty started to reach to pull out the largest shard, but Emmett smacked his hand away. No, if you pull out the glass and we don't have a graft ready to immediately cover the wound and the surrounding burn from the explosion, she's going to bleed out and die. Ty scoffed at him, his face red with what Emmett could only read as an ignorant rage. He reached over Emmett and Huda and gripped the piece. Emmett reached to stop him, but with his strength like this, he stood no chance. Ty pulled out the glass, and Emmett watched helplessly as she began to bleed out. With no graft to cover the wound, the recell was useless. Ty grabbed it anyway and sprayed it on the open wound, watching closely as nothing happened. Emmett said nothing as he sprayed it over and over, waiting for it to miraculously heal her. Ty eventually started screaming at Emmett, but there was nothing he could do now. He was throwing things, yelling wordlessly, punching walls, but nothing. Ty eventually stormed out of the door, saying nothing else, and Emmett tried to find the strength to move her off of him. The WPBP is a scam. It must have taken him about 20 minutes to come to a full standing position, if you can call him leaning his body over the sideways table while standing. The room was destroyed. Broken glass littered the floor, paper scattered everywhere, and the wall where the explosion had happened was completely destroyed. He did his best to walk over there without falling face first into the glass, almost losing his footing several times. His range of motion was significantly improved. Huda had definitely managed to expedite the healing process. Emmett stood at the broken wall, looking out around what appeared to be a garden that had been totaled in the explosion. He couldn't help but wonder if the second test was complete yet. As if in reply to his question, he looked to his left and spotted what appeared to be another student, dressed in dark clothes with a hood covering their face. Not Ty, Emmett could tell, but somebody smaller in frame. When it appeared the kids saw him back, they turned and walked into what may have been an alley beside the building. There were still fifteen or sixteen levels underground, he reminded himself. Emmett took a step out and braced himself against the wall, heading in the direction he watched the kid go. He turned down the alley, but didn't make it far before somebody slammed into him, pinning him to the wall and covering his mouth. Have you eaten anything since you entered the simulation? Shake your head, yes or no. The voice was deep and slightly accented, and there was no name tag immediately visible as far as Emmett could tell. He shook his head no. Good. Okay. I saw you walking over here. Can you walk on your own? He shook his head no again. Damn. All right. The boy grabbed Emmett's arm and began to lead him down the alley towards a hole in the wall opposite from the room he had just come from, where Huda still lay, lifeless. The hole led them up a flight of stairs and down a hallway to a dimly lit room with another person sitting next to a side table with a lamp on it. This person, Emmett knew. Viv? Emmett laughed. She stood up and ran over, hugging him tightly. Oh, it's so good to see you. Look at you, though. How are you even still alive? That's a very good question. Vivian helped sit him down in the chair she had been in before. Hey man, I'm Caesar. Sorry, I know that I probably didn't make a good first impression on you, dude. Caesar shook Emmett's hand gently and smiled. Oh, it's all good. Why the secrecy, though? It's not like it makes a difference anyway. How long have you guys been on this test? Well, Vivian puckered her lips. Right now, we're not in a test at all, technically speaking. You were out there. This room, for whatever reason, isn't under Alice's control. There's one on every level. We shouldn't stay in here for too long, though, because she'll begin to notice we're gone pretty soon. 
Yeah, man. The only reason she can't get to some of these rooms is because they're at the center. So the pulleys and counterweights she uses to change scenery are all connected at this point, Caesar said. And Emmett looked at him, shocked. He'd only been in the simulation a day. Was he supposed to believe that this kid had figured it all out in a few hours? Oh, right. Vivian laughed. Caesar is a technical theater buff. He studies stage machinery and hydraulics for shows and things. Right, right. Emmett chuckled. Caesar pulled out a small camera and flipped it open, hitting a button. Yeah, I also snuck this little guy in here to document things because, for a while, I've kind of had a theory about this place, and so far it seems to be true. No spoilers, though. You know how it is. He turned it to Emmett. Don't you think it's weird that the simulation has been whack so far? I mean, I had to perform surgery on myself after getting shot in the leg earlier. That's nothing like the training we did for this place. The training was all light, pen and paper, some rock climbing, maybe pushing somebody out of the way of a moving train... So far, it's all been pretty dark. Yeah, this place is way different than our teachers painted it to be. I mean, they went through the simulation. Their classes should have been way accurate. Emmett thought for a moment, then turned. Also, Viv, how are you, by the way? I mean, for starters. Vivian looked down at her tag. Yeah, it's rough, but don't worry about that. It's going to be like this for the rest of my life. I can handle it. We've got bigger problems. All right, then. We should get moving. Caesar took off his hoodie, underneath which was a t-shirt that had his name tag on it. Caesar, 201952. Emmett was pretty much back to normal, minus the patchy healing in some areas, so when they walked back down the steps, he barely needed assistance. When they took a step out, however, the scenery was completely different. Flash! Boom! Patap! Patap! The building was gone. What lay ahead of them now was a field, along with dozens of what appeared to be soldiers, they weren't real people, of course. When they ran by, you could clearly see the glare of the hologram. The gunshots, though, were real. Bullets chipped off bits of the walls around them, so they ducked in the doorway. Crap, what is this? Emmett yelled. Patap. Wasn't this for you? Viv screamed back. No, his area was completely different. Alice must have changed it for somebody else. Caesar called out, still painting the camera around. Look! Emmett pointed to two bodies in the middle of the field, one holding the other. They all began to run. They narrowly dodged being shot, ducking low to the ground in the grass. As they approached, Emmett began to realize who it was they were seeing. Ty! Ty, we need to get out of here, man! He cried out to him. Ty looked up, drenched in blood, with a serious look on his face. On his lap lay a real person, a boy who was smaller in build with scruffy orange hair. Emmett didn't recognize him, but his name tag read Elijah, as far as he could tell. Blood smeared the pod number. Emmett crouched down, grabbing Ty by the forearm, and tried to move him. Ty's reply was just to try and throw a punch to the jaw, but he barely missed. Ty, we've got to go. I'm sorry. Get off. No, I can't let you die out here, dude. Emmett pulled him, and finally Caesar came to help, and they managed to get him standing. Ty looked back at the body the entire time. They eventually made it back over to the building they came out of and ducked behind it. They all leaned against the wall, and Ty looked steadily off into the distance. Vivian approached him, avoiding getting close. Hey, don't talk to me. You need to talk to someone, she said gently. Shut up, you don't know what happened, he barked at her. Emmett listened carefully from afar. I think I do. No, you don't, he shoved her hard, almost knocking her to the ground. Whoa, dude, Caesar stepped between them. Get your head on straight, this isn't the time for this. Isn't it? Your friend can fight for himself, he should be able to stand up to me like a man, Ty shoved her again. Enough, stop. Emmett pushed Ty into the wall. Ba-tow. They all turned. They watched as Vivian hit the ground between a holographic man and the three boys. Emmett rushed to her, grabbing her shoulders and the sides of her face. He tried to speak, but no words would come out. 
They sat in silence as she gasped for air, Caesar holding his camera to the scene. He watched in horror, then went down to her shirt and slowly peeled off the name tag. Flynn, 201950. Caesar and Emmett led Ty back into the building. They all stood in silence as they set the camera, set to film, on top of the side table. Ty, man, do you have any sort of idea what's going on here? Caesar said calmly. What do you mean? Ty said, trying to match the calm, but still visibly shaking. Well, for starters, do you have any idea why the simulation is being this way? Why we're all stuck in this endless loop, even though we've survived test after test? Ty said nothing. Well, I do. For starters, the food. How exactly did you think Alice monitored our health, our emotions, whether we lived or died, where we were? There was another moment of silence. Microchips in the food, about a dozen per meal just to be safe. It monitors more than just that, too. It takes note of hormones, chemical reactions in the body, genetic material, every little thing about you that it can find. Then there's the picture she has of us that we took when we got here. Now let's take into account who has died thus far in these tests, okay? First, there was Huda. Huda, a genius, a protege. According to the World Population Betterment Program, she'd be a perfect candidate for the outside world, a wonderful contribution to the medical field. Then there's Vivian, an artist and debate team champion. Elijah, who, from what I could tell, shouldn't have even been down here in the first place. In fact, he was probably enduring tests that were a whole lot less difficult, if I had to guess from the lack of serious injuries on him besides the bullet wound. I'm also going to guess that he came down for you. Am I wrong? Ty was crying, but said nothing. Then there's Emmett, who isn't dead, but look at him. Look at him. We haven't seen anyone nearly as damaged as him. What do we have in common? We have a girl who's Muslim, a girl who's trans, two boys who are gay, a boy who's black, and me. The only Latino kid in the whole school. I'm down here. Don't you find that interesting? Ty's face was bright red, and Emmett looked at Caesar in shock. I thought this was supposed to be easy. We all did. Four hours, that's what the teachers told us. Four hours. We'd all be back outside in just four short hours. Alice monitors our reactions, our health, our heart rate. She monitors us. Her assessments are not as objective as people say. I'm not sure if the WPBP knows or if they ever did. How much longer are we really going to have to stay before someone figures it out? Four hours? Four days? Four years? The WPBP is a scam. I mean, come on. Isn't there something we all have in common? You know I'm right. If she makes these judgments of us based on just the color of our skin or the people we love or the other things we have absolutely no control over, who else are we supposed to blame other than the people who made her? Caesar looked at Emmett. Emmett said nothing, but Caesar's face was red and he wasn't anywhere near done. He turned to the camera. If anybody ever finds this, I'm sorry. It's too late. If you're already here, there's no turning back, no getting out. They can't hear our screams down here, not through the money they make. They aren't going to use that money to check on us. No, sir. They aren't going to come down to do a check of the system just to be safe, just to make sure everything is running ship shape, because as far as they're concerned, the program works. They couldn't care less whether or not it's really fair, because it works in their favor and the people below them don't know any different. We're at their mercy because until they come to the realization on their own, we, the unfit, have no voice and no significance to their world. Ty stormed out again. There was a moment of silence, and Caesar turned and shut off the camera. He picked it up in his hand and pressed it to his forehead. What are we going to do? Emmett whispered. Caesar said nothing. All of a sudden, he pulled out the memory chip and set the camera on the table. 
Emmett watched as Caesar crouched down to the ground and opened up a hatch, under which was part of what seemed to be Alice's mainframe. He picked up a smaller latch and put the memory card inside it. Hopefully, if they ever run a check on this thing, they'll come across that footage in the code somewhere. We won't live to see it, most likely, but there's a chance now that it'll happen at least. Let's go out there and die for this shit, man. This just in. During a routine check of the system, Alice programmers came across this disturbing footage. That footage was obviously set there by some pranksters who took the test a long time ago. These kids are teenagers, remember? Nowadays, there's no way anybody could get a camera like that inside. No, no, Alice is working great. The WPVP is working better than ever. Nothing needs to be changed. Nothing. Public outcry is ridiculous. Everything is fine. Thank you so much for joining me today. This week's story was submitted by Piper Rowe. Do you have a story you would like to submit to the show? Email me at letsreadstoriespodcast at gmail.com and your story could be featured in a future episode. Want to keep up to date on everything to do with the podcast? Follow me on Twitter at readstoriespod and on Instagram at letsreadstoriespodcast. Make sure to turn on notifications to know when future episodes are coming out. Thanks so much for listening.